Black people love the band Paramore. We're all aware of it. It's like an accepted truth. But it made me wonder, what other seemingly random things do large groups of Black people love? So in an effort to help Black people feel more seen through community, I compiled a list of other things groups of Black people overwhelmingly like and started my podcast called Black People Love Paramore. Every episode, I talk about one thing that groups of Black people like that mainstream media doesn't necessarily associate with Black people, but we know we like. Episode topics so far include anime, astrology, Tony Hawk, Ariana Grande, Twitter, Ginger Ale, Cash App, and a whole lot more. If that sounds like you, check it out. It's called Black People Love Paramore, and you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. What is up, y'all? This is Scarlett, a.k.a. Scardi B, a.k.a. your resident emo historian. And join me as I unpack the history of Fall Out Boy and hip-hop. Look, y'all, there is a lot to cover in this limited-run podcast. So strap on in, because sugar, we're going in. And what is up, y'all? Welcome back. Oh, my God. We are back again as our great prophets, Backstreet Boys, once proclaimed, y'all. Um, last episode, we covered the first part of 2006, which was really a glorified Patrick Stump episode that, honestly, if you're complaining, there's a door. I would like you to look around and locate your nearest door. I'm pointing to it and walk the fuck through it if you had a problem with that. These episodes, everything I do is really to get you caught up contextually um, and, and get you up to speed so that we can really hit the ground running with this second part of the 2006 episode. And this episode is dedicated to gym class motherfucking heroes. I've been so excited to get to this um, because they were such a critical part of just my musical taste. I mean, I still spin their records today um, and they're timeless. And, and I'm just so, so excited to dig in and kind of unpack and talk a little bit about what it was like making as cruel as school children um the album that really got me into them but then you know i got into paper cut chronicles i got into all that i was hip i was with it i had limewire so if you're not so familiar um gym class heroes are a fellow feel by ramen artist um they were signed to feel by ramen in 2003 literally the same day they finished writing their future platinum selling hit cupid's chokehold um and then later they joined Pete Wentz's imprint on Feel by Ramen Decay Dance, um, which is an incubator for alternative artists that didn't quite fit anywhere else. Um, and that'll be just a recurring topic of just kind of finding community in places where it's like, okay, I know that there might people somewhere and I'm about to find them. Um, sound familiar? <laughs> Me. Um, but I wanted to shout out Mary Ann Eloise, who wrote the first article that I talked about in 2004, um, the start of Decay Dance Records, an oral history told by Pete Wentz, Travi McCoy, Gabe Supporta, Spencer Smith, and more. That came out November 2020, and I'll make sure to link it in the show notes, but she had an incredibly loving, thoughtful article come out in 2022 with Travi in interview. Um, and it says, uh, the highs and lows of Travi McCoy, the gym class heroes front man almost went broke making his new solo album and he wouldn't change a thing. I linked that in the show notes, but there was a particularly special note that I literally emailed her about being like, girl, you ate. Okay. So listen here, 
Wentz and McCoy were among the few people of color visible in the scene at all, and their success made space for fans and artists who didn't feel like they belonged. And she asked Travi, you know, your music was born in that in-between space, and you made space for kids too, especially people of color and alternative music. Travi then replies with, I get so many emails or kids I bump into on the street, kids who wouldn't necessarily tell their homies that they listen to Terror or Taking Back Sunday or Fall Out Boy or something. They would say, gym class heroes gave me the strength to put my homies on the block on this. And now my homie loves Panic at the Disco. And that just goes to show you how strong and powerful music is. Uh, he also states that he, he's been working on a project about growing up biracial and being one of the only kids in the scene at the time um, that was somewhat accepted. And we we all understand um, the proverbial we, the, the BIPOC um, listening to this about, you know, feeling like you belonged maybe when you're alone, but that feeling of being othered when you're with the other people that you think you have so much in common with. I mean, I, dude, I remember being in pits and getting my hair pulled and just like, weird shit said to me and like asking questions like if I really knew this band and like you know why and um I was there in like my baby fat shirt and like my apple bottoms and like that's just me that's just the style that I had where I was living and um it was it was just so disheartening sometimes to feel like you go to a space looking to build that community and be accepted because usually you are an outcast and you are alone um so to feel <laughs> even more alienated um really stuck with me for a long time and for a while I was convinced I was like oh I have to be an old guy an old white guy with tattoos to like work with bands um and or you know just like tour or work in the music business cuz I just felt like what I liked was wrong and that I was the wrong person to like this. Um, anyway, one thing about me, I love letting writers know when I'm referencing their articles. Um, again, this is such a loving, thoughtful and transparent piece. And I hope that everybody gets the chance to read it. Um, please check out the show notes for a link to that. And thank you, Marianne, uh, for being so kind. And I hope to have her on the show um, sooner than later. Um, would love to hear from her. She has some really, really great articles that um, I obviously have referenced, but that she is a killer at writing. So great shit. Yo, introduce yourself to the world. Hi, my name is Travi. I talk shit in a band called Gym Class Heroes. This is my friend Pete. I'm in a band called Fall Out Boy, and I run a label called The Cadence that teamed up with Fubar Ryman and put out this dude's CD. Yeah. It's old CD and his new CD, which is called Cruel as School Children. Yeah, you got it. It's usually a tongue twister. It's hard because that. you want to say cool. Cool. It's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. But, but school children aren't really that cool. I wasn't, that's for sure. I've learned so much through just multiple iconic Travi interviews. And there's one specific one that really sticks out to me. And it's one where Pete is interviewing uh, Travi from about 16 years ago. Um, and it had so many great stories, clips, and just very funny moments from around 2006 when they were promoting as cruel as school children. Um, all four parts of this interview are linked in the show notes, um, which by the way, what to, to find show notes, uh, what you do is that you click read or show more um, on this episode and they pop up there. You can also go to the website, sugarworkgoingin.com. 
Great. So we're going to be hearing clips from this interview. Um, I really love the love that they have for each other. And you can definitely hear that they're really close friends. Um, but first of all, he kicks it off by asking about fitting in. Yeah, where, where does gym class fit in? We don't fit in anywhere. That's the beauty of it, I think. Too rock for hip hop, too hip hop for rock. Too rock for hip hop, too rock for hip hop. <laughs> the thing is, like, from the jump, there's never been a scene for us to fit in. So we've shared bills with, like, death metal bands, hardcore bands, to feminist poets, to, like, you know, like, hip hop acts, like, reggae bands. It's all over the place. So. QQQ, we love hearing, you know, Travi un unpack that. Um, and, and Pete really gets in his <laughs> little, like, Anderson Cooper bag. Um, doing a great job at interviewing. Um, but we also find out in this interview um, that Gym Class Heroes were the first band on Decadence. And then the, the, Decadence, like, this was like, we, we came in when Decadence, his, his, his imprint was first starting. So we were, we were the first Decadence band. Number one, man. Number one, first band <laughs> in Decadence, remember that. So like, and that alone is just another blessing because Decadence is just like a tight-knit family of, of a bunch of really, really eclectic bands, you know? Like, I think every band in Decadence has its own Don't thing. fit in anywhere else. Probably. Anywhere else, you know? I think, yeah. like, Decadence is, it's a movement. It's a move, more than more than a record label, it's a movement. Yeah. And, and I think it's, gang. it's a gang. <laughs> it's definitely a gang. We're gonna change the game. <laughs> I really love that last part. Um, Decay Dance isn't just a label, it's a movement. And Pete jumps in, it's a gang. <laughs> and then uh, what you also don't see is that Travi throws up like the double Ds, right? You know, like a gang sign. And I just thought it was very charming. Um, but that, that just really fucking set me back. And he also references, um, now I'm doubled up throwing double Ds in the air um, on Cobra Starships, kiss, kiss my sass. Um, so that's another reference there. Ow. Pete then follows up to talk about, you know, as cruel as school children, the actual album. And he asks what the album feels like or sounds like. I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to have fun with this one. And I felt like there, there hasn't been like a, a really good summertime record out in a while, like a, a record that you can listen to three summers from now and go, wow. That, you know that summer oh six. Man, I can't believe I was with that girl. I can't, I can't believe I was with that girl or hanging out with that dude Pete back then. Good little summer. Oh, don't ever make any LFO references. I'll hurt you. Uh, Anyways, so like yeah, so I feel like we we definitely achieved what we set out to do, and it's just a fun record, and I, I, I think it'll 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 last for a while and make people shake what their mama gave. I love that response for real, but Pete, who hurt you? Wait, can we listen to that one more time? Pete, who hurt you? Wait, listen to the. I can't believe I was with that girl. Sorry, that was just funny as fuck. I had to check in on my mans. Um, Y'all good? Y'all good. Finally, Pete teased Travi up to talk about Close Off and the process and introduces working with Patrick. Actually, Pete goes, yeah, you work with Patrick or whatever. And I was like, oh, whatever. Anyway, let's listen to this. I think I was like hearing songs, like bits and pieces, because I was hearing they recorded with um, that Sam, yeah. and then they also recorded with Patrick from, from our band or whatever, and I would hear like bits and pieces, and everyone was like, dude, it's like the most insane shit ever. And I think it was, uh, first I heard Close Off, of course, a Close Off, yeah. and I was like, oh, oh this, no. like, this is a over rat. right now. <laughs> it's a when with, with clothes off, I sat in a hotel with you yeah, one time. We, he would not let me leave his hotel. We room, sat in so a wrote, hotel. Wrote the we verse. sat in a hotel room in New York. I was like, write the second verse right here in front of me. Yeah. 
it's did. good. And it's not, and it's hot. I lived it. Yeah, it's hot. So, it's so hot. Yeah. I love Pete as like a ghost writer, like moral support wizard. He has me cracking the fuck up and he was not about to let that man leave that room <laughs> until close off was absolutely complete. Look, all I have to say is that your goal in life should be to have someone who looks at you the way that Pete Wentz looks at Travi McCoy because phew, oh, child, look, and because of this budding bromance, it should be no surprise that these two twin flames have matching tattoos. With that, yo, and we, I, I just want to point this out. Really. Oh, yeah, this we is really we're, we're buddies. We're, we're buddies, so we went out and we yeah. got buddy tattoos. Me and, me and Pete have buddy tattoos. Um, mine says Young Hearts, and his says Beef Free. It's kind of like the friendship bracelet that you can never lose. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty much, um, the routes to it, so. Yeah. This is the part where everybody goes, aww, that's so cute. Out of those interview clips that I played, um, it actually had another clip um, or a question that uncovered the origins of Patrick and Jim Classiers and mostly just Travi meeting Patrick. And here, here's a quick trivia. Did you know that Travi met Patrick on June 10th, 2004? Now, the reason that this is known is sad, but hear me out. Um, this is a quote from that 2008 uh, John Carmanica NY Times article, and it's backed up by, uh, you know, that this 2006 interview that uh, Pete did with Travi. Um, by the way, the article is the one where it's like, Mr. Stump, Mr. Wentz. Um, but he goes, the first day I met him, Patrick, uh, was the day that Ray Charles died. He was in the dressing room crying. I knew from that point on the dude was special. Apparently, Patrick was like, yo, bro, I'm going through it. I will see you at the show. Um, and I just, I'm just going to say, Patrick, if you're listening, when you're listening, just lean in at this point. There is a special place in heaven for you. I know this, mijo, for sure. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Thank you. So since that meeting in 2004 and between 2005 and 2006 was when Patrick began working with Travi of Gym Class Heroes on As Cruel As School Children, as we know it. On the, as a producer, he's on the hooks, he's on backing vocals, he's in the music videos. Specifically, the two um, biggest tracks um, were Cupid's Chokehold, Patrick Stump on the hook, um, also on As Cruel As School Children was Close Off. And Patrick didn't sing. He sang on that hook, okay? So, like, not S-I-N-G, S-A-N-N-N-N-N-G on that hook, okay? He floated. He levitated. He ate everybody's lunch. Here's an amazing little piece of, uh, of current news. Um, I get to thank... Travi motherfucking McCoy for following Sugar We're Going In the page and being so kind. I'm literally getting like chills thinking about it right now that he got to listen to the first few episodes that are out and that he might be listening to this one. So like Travi, thank you so much for being so kind. And he was so nice to be like, yo, if you need any clarification or, you know, you have questions about anything, just hit me up. And you know, I motherfucking sat there being like, what do I ask this grown ass man? And it finally hit me. There has been a mystery in my life 
since 2006 at the end of close off for years. I mean, I'm talking 2006, the like close to 15, 16 years at the end of close off. I thought Patrick, A, I was like, this is Patrick at the end, right? Like the, mm -hmm, like doing some type of voice, but I couldn't catch what he was saying. I, I, I swore for the last 16 years, he was like, somebody get me a beer, something like that. And I was like, that's funny as hell. So <laughs> I used, <laughs> I used my, the kindness of Travi to ask what like, is that Patrick? And what is he actually saying? And um, can you guys get ready for this? At the end of Close Off, it's um, Patrick um, saying, Jerome, somebody get me a mirror. <laughs> Damn. Travi was so kind to explain that he's pretending to be Morse Day from Purple Rain. And he's saying, Jerome, somebody bring me a mirror. And that was Jerome's job to make sure that Morris looked amazing at all times. And it was an inside joke because we both love Prince so much. And I literally just wrote back, my mind is blown. That's funny as fuck. Because um, it is. And literally just a huge mystery in my life. The weight's been lifted. So thank you, Travi. Seriously, like, how can I lose if I'm already chose? Like, you really are um, just such a special, special person. Um, and I'm so honored that you took time out of your day to listen to this. So shout out. Um, finally, I want to talk about right on. Um, just kind of a la Taxi Cab. It just feels like a little bit of a reprise um, of sorts um, where, you know, he's going, uh, Travi is going through the shout outs at the end. You know, we hear um, FOB, PCZ, like we hear just all these bands get mentioned and people. Um, and I really, A, that song is so beautiful, probably one of my favorites. Um, and to have that shout out and kind of reprise of like having all these bands show up, but like now as a part of the community um, that they're in um, is, is really exciting and, and full circle. Um, but he really was out here shouting Panic at the Disco, Armor for Sleep, The Academy Is. Uh, and I really, I really love that. And I remember that always being like one of my favorite um, last parts of the song. My ADD makes it really hard for me to like finish a song. So when I finish a song, like, and I get to the end, um, I'm A, really proud of myself, and B, that's a damn good song. Some singles off of the album, um, top of 2006 was The Queen and I, which is probably one of the coolest videos and songs ever. Uh, new Friend Request, shout out MySpace. Um, then Cupid's Chokehold and Close Off. And we actually see a re like a, a re-entering of Alan Ferguson, who actually um, in 2004 worked on Paper Cuts with them. Um, so even before Fall Out Boy, um, in 2006, he directed Cupid's Chokehold. 2007, Shoot Down the Stars, another banger beautiful track um and then in 2007 again close off so alan ferguson was definitely eating uh with the emo boys and i love that for him 
a couple of these singles really supported as cruel as school children reaching the certified uh, gold album level. Um, it helped them claim spots on the Billboard 200, um, on the U.S. Top Rap Albums chart. I believe they were number four on the U.S. Billboard Top 100. They peaked at like uh, 18 on the U.S. Top 40 Adult John. Um, they were number one on the mainstream top 40 and these were like equal to weekly charts and please don't ask me to explain that <laughs> thanks anyway so hooks are the name of the game and with these two songs like cupid's chokehold and close off they were not to be fucking played with y'all and speaking of hooks um the hook for Cupid's Chokehold was a happy mistake. Now, um, Travi was on Adam 22, No Jumper. I'll keep my thoughts and prayers to myself on that one. Um, but Travi did a really awesome job telling stories and articulating so many of the things that were asked. Um, but uh, listen here on how the hook actually came to be. We decided, and we had never like fucked with samples or anything. And my roommate at the time was my roommate from college. And he's a producer, DJ, just a fucking beast. Probably one of the dopest tattoo, tattoo artists in upstate right now, too. Um, my man, Sai One. And we had never fucked with sampling, but I'd always wanted to sample Super Trans Breakfast, Breakfast in America. But uh -huh. the part I wanted to sample was, uh, don't you look at my girlfriend. She's the only one. I so he fucked up and used the... Take a look at my... A lot of people don't know that mm. little Easter egg. But he so used the... could have been completely different. Completely different. And uh, he used the take a look at my girlfriend, which fucking worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we recorded the whole shit in like maybe like an hour and 20 minutes. And an hour and 20 minutes to record this first draft, you know, of what we know as um, Cupid's Chokehold. And um, just going right back to it, the hook for Close Off comes from a Jermaine... Stewart's 1986 song called We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off. Um, and then the chorus for Cupid's Chokehold comes from the single Breakfast in America by Supertramp um, and is sung by Patrick, but not by choice. Um, so like I said last episode, um, in 2011, 2013, Patrick was extremely generous with his time on Twitter and me, a radio host and aspiring musical journalist like took full advantage of that and over the course of this podcast i'll drop some of those conversations and pieces in here when appropriate um, because they're relevant and i feel like again my foresight was 20 20 with some of this stuff that i asked him um with some and and he gave some pretty thoughtful answers um so on may 6 2011 i asked about his participation in performing on the tracks he had produced for gym class heroes um, and I'm going to omit the top. And he goes, the world, for clearance reasons, will never hear the original with the Super Tramp sample. But it was so good. So good. And that first so had three O's. So that's how you know how fucking good it was. So with Patrick Stump on these Gym Class Hero songs means that we got some music video cameos. In Close Off, he's noted to be in the audience, but... If someone can find him, please tag me and show me because I'd be grateful. I feel like I've watched and scrubbed that video a million times and I might just be missing it for the past 15 years of my life. But there's like behind the scenes photos from the shoot and he seems to be in like this like suit like it's giving panic at the disco. Um, I don't know. It was 2006. That was fashion. Now for Cupid's Chokehold. 
a quick, quick other trivia. Did you know that there were two versions of the music video? Um, one feels like a fever dream that was like here and gone in a blip. And the other one is really the one that's known and up um, and that people reference. Um, but the original one included Patrick as like some evil voyeur robot boy toy. The concept of video it's fun. Like I think everybody expected for the song, everybody expected it to be this love story, this beautiful girl, you know, like like a narrative of what the song was, but I decided that we should take a little twist and uh, just make it a little more cinematic than people expected. So basically what boils down is that I work at this factory and uh, I steal this prototype doll girl and bring her home and make her do stuff for me, like make her make me pancakes and all kinds of silly stuff and we play Scrabble together. And uh, and Patrick from Fall Boys in the video, and he, uh, throughout the video, he's seen as this really creepy dude that's like kind of like spying on me and the girl. And then at the end, I don't want to give it away, but I'll give it away. Good. At the end, you find out that he's a robot as well. And this is really fun. It's a cool little twist on the song. It's fun to shoot and it's fun to watch. Then, um, for the new version, uh, Patrick plays a also voyeurist man on a bench like interested in the tea um as he sees this man travi date many perfect quote unquote women um that he just seems to keep finding the one the one the one um and this video features katie perry um and it also it includes like a segment where there is like a freestyle there's like a, a verse thrown in um and i love it when videos like break out like that and then bring you back into that world I've linked both videos in the show notes. Go check it out. Finally, y'all, the remixes. In November of 2008, uh, there is a remix. And I'm from Philly, so I got to give it up. Reef the Lost Cause is on here with Ghostface Killer of Wu-Tang. Um, and it is called the Close Off Stress Remix. Um, and it goes incredibly wild. Um, I have linked it in the show notes. You know where to find it. I'll also put it on the website. It is really, really fucking cool. And then the one that I referenced before was um, DJ Slink, April of this year, 2023. Um, and again, first official remix with Patrick Stump on a Jersey Club beat. Um, thank you for your service, DJ Slink. You are a king, um, and we thank you for everything you do. See, here's, here's the, thing. the thing. If you're listening before October 17th, 2023, Gym Class Heroes are hitting the road. They are on tour soon, so please make sure you're following them on all socials, buying tickets to these shows, getting merch, and sending them a big old mwah smooch from big scar in philly i love y'all safe travels hope to see y'all at the philly date and congratulations on the two upcoming jersey dates the day before because the first one at starland ballroom uh sold out so congratulations can't wait to hit the road um and see y'all at a couple of dates hopefully and I laugh and I really can't wait to see them. Last time I saw them was right before the pandemic with 311. Um, but before then, um, the last time I was supposed to see Gym Class Heroes was, I think, like June of 2011. Um, Patrick and Travi were performing. Well, Patrick, him as a solo artist, and then Travi with Gym Class Heroes were supposed to perform at Six Flags. And I remember we were the first in line and he... 
he came out to like say hi to like the six, eight people that were out here. And I just thought it was so kind. He was so thoughtful and took so much time uh, with us. I need to find the picture of us um, where I'm awkwardly holding his hand because why? Because why would I do that? I'm so sorry, like for being so awkward. Um, I promise I'm a tiny bit better now. Um, but I remember because the moment we hit the barricade, like we were literally right in the front, it starts to rain and downpour and the show never happened. I could have been at a Patrick Stump Gym Class Heroes concert. And the fact that I was so close will always make me so happy. Um, but the fact that it didn't happen uh, will always leave my heart a little damaged, damaged. A little Danity came for you. Okay, y'all, if I'm seeing Danny D. Kane, it means that I need to wrap it the fuck up and get the fuck home. So let's talk about what is next week, y'all, because next week is a big week. I mean, I keep saying this, but like, whatever. It's me. Y'all know I'm the hyperbole queen, but my good folks, next week is 2007. I need you to really come correct for that one because it's going to be, and I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. I don't know if I can make it one episode, y'all. I think it might have to be another two-parter. And just to hype you, I need to let you know we'll be talking about Infinity on High, the official mashup album, Jay-Z. We're talking Rihanna at the VMAs. What else are we fucking going through? We're talking Babyface, Kim K, Timbaland, and so so much more and shout out to black people love Paramore sequoia that i've been conversating with another amazing podcast that i've been supporting these past couple of episodes at the top or you know during um please check them out the link to them is in the show notes um y'all are doing an amazing amazing job and i love supporting y'all and as always if you like what you just heard please drop a rating it helps so so much write a review that helps incredibly like through apple i think in spotify you could just start it but in apple you can write a review you can tell apple how much you love me and how hot i am and how funny i am and how accomplished i am etc etc um but tag p on instagram and twitter tag fallout boy um but you can find me at sugar we're going in on instagram and sugar we're going in.com my personal is scarlet estelle just one t s-c-a-r-l-e-t-e-s-t-e-l-l-e and that's all I got for y'all. I really, really appreciate y'all. This has been another episode. Sugar, we just went the fuck in. And next week, we hit 2007. And I hope to see y'all motherfuckers there. So, mwah, big vessels, extendo. No, I'm kidding. I'm heading out. Bye.
Steezy, Jerry's, Eugene Montrose, everybody.